So, we're continuing our discussion of Ramananda Sambad. And uh, we left off with Krishna's Kaviraj's description of Radha Tattva, with emphasis on the Tattva side. Hmm? of the person who is Mahabhav Swarupini, the very Swarup, the very form and nature of Mahabhav, with, with of course, the corresponding complexion of molten gold, as Krishna's com- complexion. Sham corresponds with romantic love. <clears throat> Her complexion corresponds with the Mahabhav, the fullest expression of that uh, love, that uh, uh, of that romantic love. <clears throat> and so, again, a, an explanation, something of the, the tattva, the underlying kind of science, if you will, um, uh, of Radha, Shakti Tattva, the fountainhead of all Shaktis. And uh, we concluded that section with the citation of the well-known verse from Brahma Samhita, Ananda Chinmaya Rasa Pratibhavi Tavis Tavya Eva Nijurupataya Kalabi Koloka Eva Namasati Akilatma Bhutto Govinda Madhi Purusham Tamamba Jami which mentions Radha and her associates as well, Saki's friends, other principal gopis, and the idea being how she expands herself as all of them to in order to satisfy Krishna in different ways at different times. The implication being that all of the sentiments and uh, moods and whatnot that the different gopis personify are all found in her. Hmm? And this holds true as well beyond the Golok, as all the, all the queens of Dwarka, all the Lakshmi of Narayan, all the Lakshmis that, uh, that accompany Narayan's avatars throughout the, the world as they descend and so forth. So she is the primal Shakti. Hmm? And and in the context of that, of course, we heard about this a little bit about the Maya Shakti and the Jeev Shakti and the Sarup Shakti that she so much personifies, and particularly the Hladini aspect, the Ananda or Hladini, the word is used, uh, aspect of Krishna, of Krishna's Swarup, is own Ananda manifesting as Hladini. Sandini Sambit, this is the Sarup Shakti, and she personifies that, and particularly the Haladini, the pleasure giving, the love uh, potential possibility um, she personifies. So now he will go in the other direction, and from a kind of a scientific, if you will, uh, explanation that's deconstructive in nature. Hmm? By that I mean, as you talk about it, the person starts to disappear into a concept. Hmm? 
shakti, tattva, and in the lower stage we'll appreciate that more, making sense out of the the poetry and so on and so forth. Uh, something that that appeals um, to the intellect. From there he will go to a heartfelt expression, leaving kind of the, the such philosophical descriptions behind and waxing very poetic. Mm-hmm. In an attempt to describe the the very form of Radha. So while the discussion of the tattva on the lower side is kind of deconstructing the form, so to speak, and you, oh, and these, these are the principles involved, and we can somewhat identify with that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he wants to make sure that, don't leave it at that, there is actually a person called Radha. There is actually a form that uh, can only be described in, in, at best and not adequately, but through, um, through, through poetry and, um, and metaphor and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, um, but the idea of first doing the kind of deconstructive tattva explanation is to help us appreciate that there is such a form, there is such a, a person hmm? that that corresponds with that uh, description. It takes a shape, in other words. These um, are ideas that are not very popular, I guess, in the you would say in the world today. Um, it would be thought of more as superstitious or... Um, um, well, just poetic, and poetic means not real, something like that. But we've endeavored over the ages, over the years, and so forth, to make a case for the idea that the poetic descriptions are one type, scientific type of deconstructive type of explanations are another. They each have their place, um, and one doesn't. The scientific one doesn't do away with. The other necessarily, neither is it necessarily a more comprehensive, complete explanation. Hmm? Um, there's an article now published on the Harmonist, which comes out every Monday, I think, and every Thursday now. Um, I don't know if you've, you've read it, but um, it's, uh, I'm reminded of that as I speak here at the moment. It's an article that speaks about... Um, the idea that mathematical truths hmm, are not a human construct and that there are mathematical truths out there that aren't entertained by humans that we then discover. They make an argument that mathematical... um, What did I call them? Mathematical? Truths. Axioms. hmm, Truths. aren't necessarily human construct, but they're objective. And um, furthermore, that uh, um, there's reason to believe that in a platonic sense that they exist, and perhaps to expand upon that, as persons. Hmm? I commented on the article myself um, by citing the I think he's a physicist, but very famous uh, um, and major contributor in the sciences, Roger Penrose, 
who has a theory or two that are not at the same time very much appreciated by many of his contemporaries, although no one can dismiss his credentials as a science as a scientist uh, on the, because of his other contributions, but his ultimate um, idea, if you will, about the nature of being is, by his own confession, rather platonic, that mathematical truths exist hmm, in, an, in, an, in a non-material plane hmm, somehow. This is, this is a very platonic idea. Plato is thought to be the founder of all Western philosophy, and there's reason to believe, as we were speaking the other day, during uh, honoring the lunch prasadam, that uh, that the Platonic ideas have some connection with the with the East. Indeed, if you look at Neoplatonism as a form of uh, philosophy and religious expression in, in Europe, it's very uh, Vedanta-esque. Hmm. So, at any rate, uh, another, another wor- a, a non-material world where ma- mathematical truths are. Uh, personified, something like that. It reminded me of the, the term perhaps coined by Prabhupada um, or translation of, uh, of a term Prabhupada called the, the Vedas, the personified Vedas. So, and then we talk about this. We talk about the Vedas, um, the Upanishads. For example, we talk about um, Gopal Tapani. Gopal Tapani, we've commented on this uh, Upanishad. This is a very Vaishnav commentary, and a very, very Gaudiya, excuse me, a very Vaishnav um, Upanishad, and a very Gaudiya Vaishnav uh, Upanishad. And then it's about Krishna. Tapani means light, that which sheds light on uh, Gopal, hmm, uh, the coward Krishna. And um, this is one of a number of Vaishnava um, Upanishads that personified are said to have become gopis. Hmm? There's uh, some f- famous verse in the, in, in the Bhagavatam. This is one of two types. We have the example of the sages of Dandakaranya forest. We're living in, in, uh, in the forest at Dandakaranya and, and chanting the Gopal Mantra, meditating on the Gopal Mantra with an aspiration to have uh, romantic love for Krishna and Ram passed through the forest in his exile and they felt there was a, some possibility that their their meditation was bearing fruition because here was Krishna was Ram Krishna in the form of Ram and but there was a barrier there the barrier of course was Ek Putni Vrata on the part of Ram. He took a vrat, which means a vow for ek, putni, one wife. Hmm? This is thought to be great virtue on the part of Ram. Krishna, by comparison, looks to be unvirtuous. Hmm? Many wives and many lovers as well. But the great sage Bharat, who is one of the, uh, the architects of uh, secular rasa theory, hmm, which is a reflection, arguably, of the bhakti rasa. Hmm. 
has uh, made the point that more than one lover is required for the tasting, the fullness of rasa. Somebody just asked a question about, uh, that I'm reminded of at the moment, the question was that if, if Krishna is the only male, the Purusha, and everyone else is Prakriti, and to give it a human context, female, male and female, Purusha, Prakriti, he's the uh, this is rather classical, but he's the provider we're provided for, and so forth. Um, uh, then, if that's the case, why um, why didn't he just make everybody in his leela females? Why are some males? If, he, if he's the only Purusha. Of course, I, I commented that um, that in order to taste, he's Rasa Raj, so in order to taste all the Rasas, then there are others are required. For example, for friendship, uh, there's a certain kind of rapport that one can have with with another, um, one male can have with another male, in a friendship that one cannot have with a woman in the same same way. Um, Krishna has uh, to have the, 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 the feeling of being the son of someone. You can be the son of your mother, but the son of the father is a nuance hmm, that would not be um, uh, available to one who didn't have the association of a father. Dwarka Krishna has sons. That's called Gaurava Dasyarasa, hmm, a type of uh, reverential Dasyarasa where the son... Where Krishna has sons, the sons see Krishna as their father. It's a type of dasyarasa. So all these are part of necessary ingredients, elements for um, for someone who is rasaraj to taste all the rasas. And of course, some of these rasas, like this sakirasa directly and matsali rasa indirectly, uh, they assist. They are like. Uh, I would just say, like, if you have a, if you have a supporting roles, hmm. you have the main actor and the main actress, and then you have the Academy Award for the best supporting actor or actress, <coughs> and so forth. So, so and the, the Brajlila's uh, Madhuras is, is not possible without all these ingredients. They are all necessary. Hmm. All the different sentiments. When Radha met with Krishna in, in Kurukshetra, there was no Jamuna, there was no Govardhan. What about all his friends and and so on and so forth? The atmosphere of Vrindavan, all the ingredients hmm, weren't present, so it was not possible to refer to go to Dwarka with him and be satisfied. Hmm. So, so at any rate, uh, so here we come to the idea that uh, that. Um, what that Radha is the is the very personification of the love that corresponds with the Rasaraj. He's the Rasaraj. She is Mahabhav. Rasaraj Mahabhav Dui Ek Rup. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The two Dui become Ek Rup in one form. What are the two? Rasaraj Mahabhav. These are two ingredients, two sides that are required. If Brahman, as the Taitra Upanishad says, is to be rasa, it has to be two. Hmm? Two have to be one. 
<laughs> there have to be two. It can't be a separate thing. Brahman has to be complete in itself. So, so Radha is the pranai prikriti ladini shakti, the transformation of Krishna's love, as if his heart transformed and, and, and took a shape as a person before him. And and he is, he is, as Rasa attractive to everyone. Hmm? The power to attract everyone, even Cupid, even himself, as we've heard. Hmm? Who can attract him? He reasons through the pen of Krishna's Kaviraj earlier on in Chaitanya Charitamrita that there has to be someone who has to be a hundred times more qualified than me if that person is to attract me. I find that in Radha. She's a hundred times more qualified than me. Hmm? Um, everyone is attracted by the sound of my flute. Hmm? But when I hear the sounds coming out of her, out of her mouth, they are like uh, uh, so much more charming. They completely captivate me in ways that the Vedas do not. We were talking about the personified Vedas. The idea that Vedas personify. Hmm. Um, so Radha is the personification of Mahabhav. Let me go back a little bit to that. Vedas personified the idea that these uh, there are persons, if you will, that personify deities. Uh, you could say that preside over. Um, hmm. um, this is not much different than the platonic idea that a fellow like Roger Penrose and other people in the scientific community also, when you boil it down, they admit to something like this. Hmm? Um, again, he's the father of Western uh, philosophy. Hmm. Uh, so, that there's a world of such people. Gaudiya hmm? uh, Vaishnavism I would say, uh, uh, excels in its um, explanation of such, hmm? both poetically in its explanations and metaphorically and beautifully and also from a, from a point of view of, of uh, philosophy. Hmm? We find um, that as the sages in Dandakaranya, hmm, became gopis. Ram told them what? Ram said, hold on, I've taken a vow. My, my lila is mariada. Hmm? It's full of um, religiousness and duty and what the world thinks to be right and good and should. Hmm? But um, that is but you know one standard of, of goodness in, in, in a sense. Morality, in other words, is a standard of goodness that is meant to um, check people from being not good, <laughs> from uh, from regressing and returning to animal um, consciousness, if you will. Hmm? The element of control and uh, that we don't expect from the uh, animal kingdom. Hmm? 
that is thought to be human. Morality is there. So it's it's a very human idea. Ramalila is full of that, uh, to be the perfect human, a perfectly moral, righteous uh, person and so forth. Uh, but, of course, that's again in relation to this world. That is not the sum and substance of what goodness is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good for people, mm-hmm. for the most part, to help them. Krishna's domain, that is something else. Mm-hmm. That is far beyond um, morality and there anything goes because there's no selfishness involved. Mm-hmm. There's no selfishness. That's the problem with this world. We're checking the selfishness. Hmm? Selfishness has been completely transcended. Then, kind of the, to use a term of Prabhupada's, the fangs of the serpent have been taken out, can't hurt you anymore. Something like so. There is Krishna. And he's depicted in this way with so many wives and lovers and so on and so forth. You have to understand it properly. It's beyond... Uh, There's no selfishness in Krishna's part there. There's no selfishness in the part of the gopis either. And Radharani is non-different than himself. She is his love. Hmm? Transformed. His Ananda transformed into a person we call then Ladini Shakti. Hmm? And seeing that person, he's attracted. So in Ramli, Ram said, I'll come again as Krishna at that time. Your, your, your mantra will be uh, perfected. can take a while. Be patient. Hmm. <laughs> this example is there, but it's worth waiting for if you understand it. Hmm. So, of course, Krishna Leela came in. These are one section. Sadhus of Dundakarani are one section of sadhakas who attained perfection with the manifestation of Krishna Leela. The other section of sadhakas that are often referred to are the personified Vedas. Hmm. And personified Vedas means these particular Upanishads, like Gopal Tapani, Krishna uh, Upanishad, and, and so forth, that are uh, very Vaishnav and Krishna-based Upanishads. These that they became they are, they are persons. So we're talking about it in time, but they're 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 talked about in this way as as, as having attained. Um, so. The, this, for me, resonated with some of the things mentioned in the article and the very I- idea of a platonic world where truths, the Vedas are thought to be truths, axiomatic truths, um, <coughs> and there's some math to them too. It's uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, uh Body, a very fascinating body of, 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 of literature. Even the Sanskrit language in which they're written is a very sophisticated language that I heard years ago was used by NASA for something in space, whatever they're doing out there. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, personified, axiomatic, mathematical truths, the personified Vedas, this may help us to appreciate the idea of what is being described here when he waxes now very poetically. Basically, what Krishna does in this next section is take from the writing of Raghunath Goswami. Raghunath Goswami 
is the Prayujan Tattvacharya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So that means that in his writing, we find an emphasis on the Prayujan, the ideal, the highest ideal. And, and he, in his writing, gives a focus on the ideal not only of Braj Bhakti, but of Manjari Bhav in particular. Hmm? And um, whereas Rupa Goswami has written uh, Abhideya, the best example, of course, is his books, the uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and even Ujbal Nilmani. These are books about how to attain. Hmm? What is the nature of Bhakti, the, the practice itself? Bhakti in Bhav, Bhakti in practice, Bhakti in, in Prem, but, but the means. Hmm? This is Abhideya, the means. Prayojan is the ideal, the goal, and Sambandha is what I usually refer to as the, the kind of the conceptual orientation, what's what, how things are connected, and so forth. Um, and Sanatana Goswami has helped us with that. For example, his book, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, hmm? describing the different worlds and possibilities, and so on and so forth. So, um, so he turns, Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, to Raghunathas Goswami, who gave a very poetical description of the form of Radha, from which we are to draw, ultimately, that her form, like Krishna's form, or any of the forms of the, that are uh, participants in the Leela, the form that you will attain through your practice um, and enter into Leela Seva with, are not material. Mm. Uh, they are em- e- spiritual, emotional uh, forms. Mm. Emotions can have forms, colors can have forms. I have a disciple who was um, not too active at this time from long ago. He's, he was a he's a uh, he's a professional musician, mm. classical musician, and um, he used to tell me that he could see notes. He would see notes. So, hmm. <laughs> there's subtle. That was it's just materially speaking. There's, there's a we we acknowledge a subtle world hmm, with form and shape. This is where the gods and the goddesses come into play and so forth that you can experience in meditation. Um, some people say, well, that's a subjective projection of the mind. Well, it is subjective and it is subtle, but that doesn't make it any less real. Hmm? Um, and of course, beyond that, now we're talking about the transcendental form of Krishna, the transcendental form of Radha. Hmm? And there are many beautiful poetic descriptions of Krishna's form, uh, as we'll hear now, of, of Radha's form. And they're not to be just thought of as just poetry and, you know, we just made that up and sounds nice and really she's formless, there's no form or something like that. But it's a way of speaking about spiritual personhood and form that's not material. That should not be that hard to grasp in that material forms, at least as we perceive them to be, That's another question, of course, in science. They say that, that of course, there are no really hard bodies out there, forms, things. It's certain perception and so forth. Mm. So, as I've said often, we don't really experience the objective world, but we experience our experience of it as it reflects in the chitta, in, in, in the mind, and so forth. But, at any rate, to whatever extent there are perceptions of forms out there, 
consciousness is producing them. So consciousness is giving shape to the objective world. They're all ideas. Perceptions from consciousness. And they are forms that are here today and gone tomorrow, as we often say. So here you have consciousness projected onto the subjective, projected onto the objective world, and the result is forms are manifest. Perceptions of forms that are illusory, here today and gone tomorrow, because of the nature of the reflection, consciousness reflecting on the objective world. Now, if consciousness reflects upon itself, why not subjective forms, constitutive consciousness, which then would not be here today and gone tomorrow, not be temporal because of the nature of consciousness being eternal. This is the idea. So if we really understand material form that we give so much credit to, then we should be able to appreciate the idea of spiritual form. But it's not popular today, these, these kind of ideas, because it's, we, we are, it's a very materialistic world that we, uh, we live in. Hmm? And, um, and, and while science in, in the hands of technology keeps giving us things that seem to make it better, um, how better it's made is all, of course, relative and, and, and questionable. But th- what that does is create a faith, a certain faith in materialism, material acquisition, uh, that through manipulation of matter, everything can be had. Hmm? That's all there is. That's what we have to work with. We are that. Hmm? And so when you... When you when you do something and you get a practical result, well, it creates faith. So then there's the, the constant, because of that, no one's fully satisfied. <laughs> In fact, people may be more disturbed than ever before. Hmm. I mean, the world's on the brink of, we don't need, maybe we need Mirage for this, but of blowing itself up practically, you know, at any moment. Hmm. That was when I was younger. That was, of course, always there with the, you know, the Cold War and stuff. But now it's, it's the Polish people must be nervous over there, and for good for good reason. I have hundred thousand troops surrounding, not just this. What's it called, Crimea? Crimea, but the whole, almost all of Ukraine. It's a valuable place. It's the breadbasket of Eastern Europe. All so much food, grain is produced there. It's a valuable resource. And and anybody that's got a little bit a little bit aware knows resources are limited as population grows. This is the only problem. Overpopulation, which means lack of resources, which means struggle for existence. Hmm? So <laughs> you can be sure Russia wants wants that whole of Ukraine. <laughs> As a, as, a, as a resource. Mm. Uh, these are problems. That, uh, this is just one hot spot, so to speak. Mm. And there's a number of them. They go to the back burn and they come to the front again and someday there'll be a fire. Mm. 
That fire will make it make the world dark. Has great potential to make the world dark. So, people are not more satisfied, but the illusion of such that by material acquisition, by the manipulation of matter, we can become satisfied. We can become secure. We can become happy. Our, our lives can endure, and so forth. Hmm. That's a that's a bit postdated check. Hmm. There's no there's no money in the bank for that. There's no evidence for that. There's evidence to the contrary, and obviously there is relative improvements. But that that's the problem. Part of the problem, the relative improvements lead one to believe that there will be a comprehensive um, solution to the basic problem, which is my drive for, for, for enduring, secure life of love and happiness. Hmm? Enduring, hmm? sat, uh, secure, knowing, hmm? awareness, jit, ananda, is what we're looking for. Hmm? So, these are not, you know, there's a happy, um, non-material world of forms and people and so on and so forth. These ideas are lost in the uh, shuffle of the material nature in pursuit of what that world provides and is all about. And the means of going there is the antithesis of the way we go about at present trying to secure these things, eternity, knowing, and loving. You have to go within, and you have to go within or go without. And to go within, you have to go without a little bit, also, in another sense of the term. You have to let go of the outside to go in. You can't take any baggage with you there. It's a subjective world. The objective world, things don't fit there. They have no currency there. Suddenly they become meaningless. Again, we're the only ones that have attributed meaning to them in illusion. But otherwise, they have no meaning. They have no currency, no value, no power, purchasing power. So there we have to go naked. Empty-handed we have to go. But holding on to his hand then. Pull us within, deep within, what is consciousness and what is the prospect, potential of consciousness. Hmm? We are Jeev Shakti, as we heard. Sarup Shakti, hmm? that is like greater capital. Hmm? We get an investment of greater capital from the consciousness world. Hmm? Then this world will appear for what it, what it is valueless unto itself, bankrupt. So rich, so wealthy is that world. The dawn, the preem of that place. It's that what is personified as Radha. This is real wealth. It is making Krishna happy. As I said, he plays, he wonders, I make everybody happy. I have the potential to make everybody happy. Who can make me happy? That person must be very qualified. I find that in the person of Radha. Who is that? 
That is my own love, transformed and taking a shape. Hmm? I play my flute. I can attract everybody. Hmm? But the words coming out of her mouth, they, they silence me. I have to listen to that. Hmm? Even more than the sounds of the Vedas. <laughs> that whatever comes out of her, love talk comes out of her mouth. I'm captivated by that. Hmm? Krishna goes through his different, you know, the different senses. What he does to others by sound, what the sound of Radha does to him. What he does to others by his fragrance. Hmm? And how the fragrance of Radha drives him mad. Hmm? Uh, how the, uh, uh, the, uh, the sight hmm, of the form of Krishna is attractive even to himself, but the form of Radha, hmm, this is maddening to him. Hmm? Um, touch. Hmm? His touch is so, said to be more cooling than millions of moons. Hmm? But he touches Radha and she feels cold in comparison to himself. <laughs> it means so, so cooling, soothing, it means she is. Hmm? So he's amazed at this. Krishna's amazed at the form of Radha. Her, her fragrance, her, her, and her taste, the taste, hmm? um, the taste of, of Radha's lips is, drives him mad. Hmm? The, the form, the fragrance, the taste, the, so the so smell, taste, sight, uh, touch, sound. Hmm? He goes through them. Krishna's thinking it over. Thinking, this is represented earlier in, in the text in chapter 4, which has a correspondence with this. This is, in a sense, explaining what's in chapter 4 hmm? in the Adi Lila. This is the Madhi Lila, the form of the narrative and a conversation of Ramananda and, and um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna goes through all this. He's trying to figure this out. Hmm? Who is this? Who is Radha? Hmm? Then, of course, he reflects, reflects further. And he said, that's all true. But then again, when Radha... When some of my fragrance of my body floating in the wind enters into one of her nostrils, she runs in that direction. Hmm? When uh, Rod embraces my form, not to speak of that, if she sees something that resembles my form, and complexion, like the tamal tree. She embraces that and goes mad. That doesn't happen to me. Hmm? He goes through all of it. Doesn't, it doesn't happen to me. So there's something in me. I'm cool. Hmm? I just said Rod is a hundred times more qualified than me, but then again, there's something in me that drives her mad. Hmm? But it's the madness of her hmm, that I want to taste. There's something in me that affects her that, that, she, that she represents, she personifies something in me that I cannot experience unto myself. Hmm? You see, these two are one and different at the same time. 
The way Radha responds to all the sense experiences in relation to Krishna leads Krishna to believe there is something very special about me. Yes, she attracts me, but the way that I attract her is different. I, I, I am, here's what he concludes, I am the object of love for all rasas. And my devotees, headed by Radha, experience me as the object of love. I experience them as the, the vessel of love. But I cannot experience myself as the object of love in the way they do. And her in particular experience me as the object of love. They experience something that under myself in my own position I can't experience. It's me. You understand? It's me that they're experiencing. I'm great. I, I am God. I thought I was God. I thought I was Rasaraj, but now I was questioning. But now he's trying to, trying to sort it out, so to speak. This is Krishna's crisis. Hmm? So she, there is something in me, and she's attracted to that. She sees something in me that nobody else can see, experiences it. And it so in order for me to fully experience myself, hmm, that can only be done from her perspective. Somehow I have to take her perspective. Hmm? I'm the object of love. I love Radha. I love my mother, my father, my cows, and so forth. I am Rasa, and I am Rasika. I also taste Rasa. I'm the object of love, the Vishaya Lumbana, the object of love. I also taste Rasa in relation to them. Hmm? So Radha becomes the object of my love. Hmm? But when Radha becomes the object of my love... I don't experience, like she does, with me as the object of love. Hmm? I can experience Rod as the object of my love, or Nanda as the object of my love, or Sridham. Hmm? Meanwhile, they're experiencing me, all of, all of them. That's why I'm Rasaraj. They're all experiencing me as the object of love, and I can perfectly fit that role. Hmm? So I can can't experience myself as the object of love. And I'm the perfect object of love. And Radha fully demonstrates that more than anyone else, that I am the perfect object of love. I thought I was. <laughs> but she's bewildering me. Hmm? Now he's sorting it out. Hmm? But it's me that is making her who she is. And, and, but I can't, under myself, experience that fullness of me. So I have to take her position to know myself, to experience myself fully. It's a little philosophical. <laughs> At the same time, it's very um, poetic and charming. So this is the position of, of Radha. Now, as I say, Krishnas will describe her very um, poetically, and in doing so, he basically gives a Bengali rendition of one of the works of Rabbanat Das Goswami describing Radha, her form, poetically. We'll just uh, read through it and comment uh, briefly, which is only all that's possible for such a explanation. Leave this preface here to be the primary philosophical explanation of what's ahead here. Mahabhav Chintamani Radha Rasvarup Lalitari Sakit Tanukai so 
is where we left off. He says that Radharani is the topmost spiritual gem. She's a Shintamani. She can fulfill all the desires of Krishna. Hmm? And other gopis, Lalita Vishaka, etc., hmm? are Kai Vyuharupa. They're expansions of her form. This was now his Bengali explanation of Ananda Chinmaya Rasapati Bhavitabhis from Brahma Samhita. Hmm? There it's described that uh, Krishna and Golok expands as Radha and other gopis are expanded from her. And through all this different 64 arts hmm, of, uh, of love, they engage in his service. And they are the be-all and end-all of knowledge, the perfection of bhakti. All those arts are personified also. Hmm. Um, so fascinating world hmm. uh, and then she is the uh, the Mahabhav Chintamani there hmm. the touchstone of Mahabhav Radha Prati Krishna Sneha Sugandhi Udbhartana Tate Pati Sugandha Deho Udbhulabharna he says that Radha's body is brilliant in luster and full of transcendental fragrance. And Krishna's affection for her is like Sugandhi Udvartana is like a perfumed massage. Krishna's affection for her like a perfumed massage. This is a kind of a something that you put on like this. It makes your skin more lustrous. So the luster of her skin is is the massage of Krishna's affection for her. You see, this is very poetic. Not a material body is the is the idea, but not just a fanciful idea either. A, re, a real real person. Karunamritya dharai snan pratham. Tarunamrita dharaisnan matyama. Lavanamrita dharaya. Tad uparisnan nijalajasham pratisati paridhan. So he says, Radharani takes her first bath in the shower of the nectar of compassion, her second bath in the nectar of youth. In her midday bath, um, she takes in the nectar of bodily luster. And she puts on the garment of shyness, which is her black silk sari. So this is, again, very esoteric and very poetic, but it's, it's basically describing the, the way in which Radha appears to Krishna in her Kishore age, in the, in the, in the, in the Adi, Madhya, and Lila Kish, Antya Kishore. So there's a the end of the the uh, Pauganda Lila hmm? Radha and Krishna start to become adolescents so there's a beginning to the adolescence and then there's a middle to the adolescence and then there's the full blown adolescence hmm? and he's describing them in relation to the, th- the baths that she takes a bath in the morning in the Jamuna she takes a bathe at Radhakund in midday in sportive pastimes with Krishna. And at night she bathes and goes out and 
meets with Krishna in the night. And so these baths he's describing, if you will, um, in relation to the three stages of her Kishore age, wherein in the beginning, for example, as the Kishore Lila begins to manifest, there's Purvarag. So in Purvarag, there is the the idea that the feeling of, of love of Radha for Krishna. Hmm? And this is, of course, in the manifest Lila, because in the manifest Lila, Radharani and Krishna appear to grow to a certain point. In the, in the unmanifest Lila, they're always at the age of Kishore. Hmm? It's one of the things that makes the, the manifest Lila here on, more charming. Hmm? Things are played out better, like I said many times. It's like a movie filmed on location. Very, and that's an added plus. So, in the Purvarag, hmm, before there's like, I love you, you love me, and we say so, and there's the feelings and the sensibility, and so this is very uh, charming uh, period. Hmm? And uh, he's described that as a uh, her bath of compassion, because at that time she knows Krishna loves me. She's you know feels it. They haven't talked about it. She knows, and she knows the pain that he feels, hmm? loving her, and the difficulty in expressing it, hmm? and then the in itself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, and then on top of that, well, the circumstances that even if he wanted to, are getting in the way in the context of the Leela. You understand? Um, so he can't just go up and say, I love you. And it's not like, hey, you want to go out tonight? You know, <laughs> There's a whole protocol and, and so forth. And uh, it's, uh, it doesn't fit with how he's feeling. She feels, so she feels immense pain Compassion is a kind of pain. I empathize with your pain. I feel your pain. So she can feel his pain in the poor Barag. She has pain, but, but she's identified totally with him. So really her pain is his pain. And she wants to compassionately, empathetically, to uh, cater to that, to relieve that. Mm-hmm. So this is her bath in... She takes her first bath in Karna. Karna Karunam, karunamritam. Her first bath is the nectar of compassion. And so there are leelas that correspond with this. And we can, we can, we can enter into them, we can feel the, 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 the shyness of Krishna. The, um, the, you know, how do you say it the first time, you know, to somebody? And there's awkwardness there. And, and and his friend, like Madhu Mangal, have to consult him and help him, hold him up, and so forth. And it's like when we were kids many years ago. We used to ride the bus to school, and somebody would make a heart on the bus on the frosty window. Tommy loves Cindy and put an arrow through it, and something like that. So the friends are knowing, they're trying to make it happen, and bring it out, and he can say something to... Madhu Mangal, Subal, but he can't say it to anybody else. So they're very, how dear they are to him. Hmm? He can confide, feel like, we know you feel like, we can see it, but take it easy. They give some counsel and so forth. 
This is their position. It's hmm. an Radha feeling. This she knows. Girls mature, you know, faster than boys. She understands and wants to facilitate in some way. So hey, she's filled with empathy, compassion for him. So this is her first bath. And it's compared to her first bath in the day, her bath in the morning. Hmm. Second bath at, at midday, in the midday pastimes at Radha Kund. Hmm. This is very sportive and uh, Krishna has a has managed to separate himself from the greater balance of the cowherds, taking those confidential Priyanarmasakas with him, hmm, who are involved actively in his romantic life, and then they go off to Radhakund. So there's a meeting there in Radhakund, and and um, and and there and, and, and the meeting in Radhakund sports there. Lila's it culminates in a bath and. In Radhakund, and this is compared to the the, the middle section hmm, uh, of her Kishore life, hmm, getting somewhere, but 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 still, it hasn't been consummated, so to speak. So that is then, uh, uh, and that is so that is called here Tarunamrita, the the bath of the nectar of youthfulness. So her youthfulness is has manifested now to a greater degree. Hmm? And they're talking and they're meeting secretly and, and expressing the feelings for one another and so on and so forth. And then finally, the, the evening bath, she bathes and goes out, of course. Hmm? And uh, this has been, uh, the, 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 this is called the Lavan Amritam. It's the, the bath of the luster of beauty. So it means her in the full manifestation of the Kishore, of her Kishore age, she's now fully a woman, so to speak, a young woman, a young adolescent, and fully capable of reciprocating with Krishna, fully in love, and so Rasalila, and so forth, in the, in the evening, these meetings, so he says, so she has, she's bathed in, in the morning, and in midday, and the, and in the and in in, in 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 her first, second, and third bath, karanamrita, taranamrita, lavanamritam. Hmm. See how you have to go inside the the uh, hearts of the acharyas, reveal something that you can get some glimpse of what Raghunathdas is trying to say in in in, in his poetry, his meditation. Hmm. And, and 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 of course she puts on her black sari, and the black silk sari is, is the same color as Krishna's complexion. Krishna Anurad Dutiya Arunavasana Pranay Man Kanchulikai Baksha Achadan. So we we have her basic. Uh, Dress, and then she has the bodice and the upper upper cloth. Hmm? Um, her upper cloth is uh, Krishna Anurag Dutiya Aruna Vasana. Hmm? Aruna means reddish. Hmm? Arun is uh, is the actually Arun is like the early morning. Sunset. If you've ever been in a place where it's flat, 
like in Kansas. So you ever see the sunset in Canada? And you can see like, just like there's flat, here comes the sun up, right? And it's big and reddish. And before it starts to become more uh, dispersed, I guess it gets closer, I'm assuming, to the earth. And then it spreads its light out, diffused, more diffused. It's a concentrated ball of red. You can see that in West Bengal, in the Ganga Delta there. What Prabhupada called his temple. Oh, well, he called it, what did he call it? Chandradaya, I think. Arunadaya. Arunadaya is this time of the morning. Arunadaya. The, the, the sun rising. Chandradaya means moon rising. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Arunadaya means... Uh, the rising of the sun and their pastime that correspond with that. So it's also the color of Sakyarasa, this Arun. But here it's being described as the, also the color of, of Anurag. Hmm. And, which is a stage of love that the, the lover become, always looks fresh and new at every, at every moment. Hmm. Something like that. So her upper garment is... Hmm, Anurag in color. He's describing her. See, she's a body of emotion and spiritual love for Krishna. Her dress, her complexion, her ornaments, everything. They're not material. So when you dress the deities, you have to think about all these these things. Her affection for Krishna is her upper garment. Arun. Basan. Arun is, again, that color, and that's the color of Anurag also. Krishna Anurag Dvitiya. Hmm? Uh, I guess he's saying, excuse me, she's covering her breasts with another garment composed of affection and anger towards Krishna. It means pranai and man. Pranai and man. man. Pranai comes out of man, man comes out of pranai. Hmm? These are developmental stages in the Stayibhav. In this case, the Stayibhav is Madhurya, hmm? Sringarasa, and it will develop Sneha, Pranai, Sneha, Man, Pranai, Sneha, Pranai, Man, Raghunarag, Bhav, Mahabhav. Hmm? Hmm? So, this, um, we've already heard Sneha, hmm? Um, Krishna's affection for her sneha means affection hmm, is her what did he say her bodily fragrance and and so uh, her her anurag is her upper garment it's composed of man and pranai hmm, pranai means affection and in the context of affection Sometimes pranai will come out of man, sometimes man will come out of pranai. Man means like contra love. And there's sometimes it happens for good reason and sometimes for no reason. Krishna didn't do anything wrong, but she may be advised by Lalita, don't, don't pretend, pretend like you don't like him. Be a little hard to get. She will advise Radha like this. So there's no really good reason. Krishna didn't do anything wrong. 
So she's showing. No, I'm not really interested in meeting you. I'm sorry. Hmm. So, the, <laughs> of course, she's very interested in meeting him. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that will come out of pranai, or pranai will follow out of it. When, when, it, when the when the mind breaks, pranai comes. Hmm. You understand? When the mind breaks, and they resolve the issue, hmm, pranai comes. Hmm. Or pranai may be there, and for no good reason, or for good reason. Hmm. Krishna's gone off with Chandravali and something like that. Man will come. This is very, of course, very esoteric, but this is the way he's describing her. And of course, again, these different gopis, and so they're all personifications of different emotions. Sondarja kum kum saki pranai chandan smita kanti karputine ange vilepan. Radharani's personal beauty is the reddish powder known as kumkum. Smeared on her breasts and then her hair and so forth. Her affection for associate, her associates is sandalwood pulp, and the sweetness of her smile is camp for all these combined together are smeared all over her body. Hmm? So, this is what her form is made out of. Hmm? All these things. It appears as sandalwood, but it is this. It appears as kumkum, but it is this. So, if you could take kumkum and sandalwood, they would personify in certain ways, as emotions, and so forth. Put that all together, he's saying. This is not a material form <laughs> at all. Krishnera ujbal rasa, mrigamadobhar, say mrigamadde vichitritakolevar. Conjugal love for Krishna is an abundance of musk, and with that musk her whole body is decorated. Craftiness and covered anger constitute the arrangement of her hair. The quality of anger due to jealousy is the silk garment covering her body. We're a little out of time, so I'll just read. Her attachment for Krishna is the reddish color of betel nuts on her brilliant lips. Her double dealings in loving affairs constitute the black ointment around her eyes. The ornaments decorating her body are the blazing ecstasies of goodness and the constantly existing ecstasies headed by jubilation. All these ecstasies are the ornaments all over her body. So, Sudipta Satvika Bhav, Harshadi Sanchari, Esabhava Bhushana Sabhange Bhari. Familiar with the terms, Sudipta Satvika means he's talking about Satvika Bhavs and. Um, Sanchari Bhavs, in the stage of Sudipta, inflamed, become in different stages. Hmm? Smoking stage, up to the Sudipta, comes fully, fully blazing. Hmm? All these emotions fully expressed. You can get a little, in the beginning of bhakti, you get a little taste, you get a little tears, some herpilation, there's a little beginning, some bhava, bhava, bhas, so... <laughs> She's all these things like fully inflamed, hmm. and it will come in certain circumstances. It's automatic; it's happening constantly. In her case, kila kanchidadi bab bamsi bam visam bimsati bushita guna sheni pushpamal sarbonge purita. 
Ornamenting her body are the 25 kinds of ecstatic symptoms, beginning with kila kinchita. Hmm. Her transcendental qualities constitute the flower garland hanging in fullness over her body. Hmm. Prabhupada lists the, uh, these uh, different qualities kind of divided into bodily, verbal, mental Hmm. Connection with the body, there are ecstasy, gestures, negligence, beauty, luster, brilliance, sweetness, impudence, magnanimity, patience. Hmm. All these, in relation to in her nature, there there are, there are lila, vilas, vichiti. Breaking off, vibrumba, puzzlement, bewilderment. Prabhupada says that there's no English equivalent for kilakinchita, mutaita, or kutamita. Radharani's flower garland consists of her qualities, divided into, again, he says, mental, verbal, and bodily parts. Her attitude of forgiveness and mercy are all mental. Her talks, which are very pleasing to the ear, are verbal. The bodily qualities are age, beauty, luster, and grace. Hmm. The tilak of good fortune is on her beautiful broad forehead. Her various loving affairs are a gem, and her heart is the locket. Radharani's gopi friends are her mental activities, hmm, which are concentrated on the pastimes of Krishna. She keeps her hand on the shoulder of a friend who represents youth. Shumata Radharani's bedstead is pride itself, and it is situated in the abode of her bodily aroma. She's always seated there, thinking of Krishna's association. Her earrings are the name, fame, and qualities of Krishna. The glories of Krishna's name, fame, and qualities are always inundating her speech. Radharani induces Krishna to drink the honey a Shingarasa, hmm? Madurasa, and she is therefore engaged in satisfying all the loving desires of Krishna. Radha is a minefield of valuable jewels of love for Krishna. The transcendental body is complete with unparalleled spiritual qualities. Hmm? He quotes a verse describing the preem of Radha from Govinda Lilamrita here. As we conclude this section, if one asks about the origin of love of Krishna, the answer is that the origin is in Srimati Radharani alone. Who is the most dear friend of Krishna? The answer is Radharani alone. No one else. Radha's hair is very curly. Her two eyes are always moving to and fro, and her breasts are firm, since all transcendental qualities are manifested in Radha. She alone is able to fulfill all his desires. No one else. Even Satyabhama, Krishnas goes on to say, one of the queens of Krishna's, of Sri Krishna, desires the fortunate position and excellent qualities of Radha. This is, she's in the Dwarka She is the manifestation of Radha in Dwarka All the Gopi, directly, others are indirectly, all the glories, excuse me, all the gopis learn the art of dressing from Radharani, and even the goddess of fortune Lakshmi and the wife of Lord Shiva, 
Parvati desire her beauty and qualities. Indeed, Arundhati, the celebrated chaste wife of Vashista, also wants to imitate the chastity and the religious principles of Radha. Even Krishna himself cannot reach the limit of the transcendental qualities of Srimati Radharani. How then can an insignificant living entity count them? Prabhu Jani Lun Krishna Radha Prema Tattva Sunete Chahite Dung Harvilasa Mahatva Mahaprabhu then replied, Now I have come to understand the truth of the loving affairs of Radha and Krishna. Nonetheless, I want to hear more. I want to hear how both of them gloriously enjoy love between one another. So now, Bilas Tattva. This was Radha Tattva and some Prem Tattva at the end there. Now Bilas Tattva, Tattva will come in the next discussion. And that should bring us to the end of the Prayujan Tattva. What is the goal of life? And then he will ask, how do you get there? And then, of course, he will explain by following this gopis. This is the way. They're showing the way. Hmm. Any question? Yes. Does it ever get to the point where um, <clears throat> you discover, I guess Mahaprabhu is asking, but does it ever get to the point where Mahaprabhu was born? You know, like you say Mahaprabhu was born in Rasalila. Does it ever get to that point when they talk about that, the love pastimes? Yes, we'll go into that. All right, we'll stop there. Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai, Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami Ki Jai, Govinda Ki Jai, Gauranga Mahapur Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande.